Good morning, and thank you so much for tuning in to Queen's Club Radio. This is your girl, Regal Rebecca. Man, I'm so excited to be here with you ladies today. Now, (laughs) it's been such a journey to get here because, as always, I overanalyze and I overthink things. And so... And I'm like, cool, I'm going to start this podcast. It's going to be called Queen's Club Radio. It's going to be about women coming together to build each other up, you know, sharing my story, uh, a place of empowerment. And then I get down and start planning it. I make this anchor. Mind you, I made this anchor account like a month ago. (laughs) So let me just say that my first segments today here, this is going to be July 7th. And so I make the anchor and then I start writing. Why? I don't know. But I'm just like, oh, I got to plan out my first episode, my first segment. I have to figure out what I'm going to talk about. So I'm writing and I've been writing for a good like (laughs) maybe two and a half weeks now. And y'all have heard nothing of what I've written. And then when I would go to record what I wrote, it was not organic. It didn't flow. You know, you're trying to read something. You get hung up over the words and I put a comma there and it just did not feel... I won't say real because what I wrote was authentic and what I want to say, but it didn't have that flow, the organic flow that I really, really want this channel to have. Um, Just coming to you guys as I am where I'm at. Right now, I'm literally at my sister's house in her garage and we live in Arizona, so it's hot, but I felt the need to just get away from everything, everyone, and really just focus on this today. Um, And so that's what I'm doing. Good morning. (laughs) So yeah, Queens Club. If you clicked on this, you're probably like, what the heck is she going to be talking about? But I want Queens Club Radio to be a place where not only I can share my story in hopes that it helps somebody not, not only become a better woman, but to genuinely love themselves. I've spent the majority of my life hating myself and I'm finally on this journey. And no, I'm not perfect, but I'm progressing and I fight every day to be positive about who I am, what I am, and to love myself. And why not share that? Because there's so many of us that go through the same things, but, you know, and especially in the Black community, we're always taught, don't air your dirty laundry, keep that in the house. But why why not talk about what I'm going through so that I can get help? Because if we all in the house not talking about it, and I can't talk to anybody else, then that means this problem is never going to go away. I'm just sweeping it under a rug for it to come out at a later time. And so I just feel like, you know what? I'm going to air all my dirty laundry. (laughs) I really am. You know why? So people can talk to me like, well, how did you get through this? How do you feel? Are you okay? So that I can make connections with people who maybe I wasn't able to make connections with before because as you know, closed mouth don't get fed. So I'm here to feed myself spiritually and emotionally with different people that um, that God has gone placed into my life through this podcast. I want this to be a place where women can come, um, not only to hear me talk, <laughs> but to feel at home, you know, and when we get big, this is our podcast, you know, this is not just, oh, Rebecca, Rigo Rebecca talking about herself. No, I want you guys to be able to send in video clips and things like that so we can talk. Send me questions on Instagram and things like that so that I can incorporate you guys into this podcast. So I am going to go ahead and give you guys just a little bit um, of my backstory so you can see why I wanted to do this. Um, Like I said, for the majority of my life, I really have 
not liked who I was. And it got to a point where I realized I was disgusted with myself. And I know that sounds harsh, but it's the truth. Oh, and just the PSA, I have been extremely emotional for the past three weeks waiting on uh, my menstrual to kick in. So that's another story for another segment, but I'm emotional. So I cry at everything. If I start crying, it is what it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, back to the story. So my mom raised me, single mother of four. Um, and man, not having my dad around always made me feel like, man, if my father can't stick around to love me, how can any man stick around to love me? So of course that created daddy issues, but it also created a cycle for me of always longing and yearning for acceptance and approval. Um, and since I couldn't get it from him, he wasn't there. I put that expectation out on everybody, my mother, my siblings, my friends, needing their approval. And I'm blessed because some people live their whole lives not knowing that they're doing this. And yeah, I just realized at 29 that this is something that I'm dealing with and I'm delivered from. And I release those people because I don't need anyone's approval to live my life. God has already given me the approval. He's already called me. He's already chosen me. I am all that he says that I am. And so me waiting, living my life, waiting for people to tell me it's okay to be Rebecca or to be Regal or to be the queen that I am, it's bogus. And if you're struggling with that, let me tell you right now, sis, you don't need anybody's approval. Not your mama, not your daddy, not your best friend, not your big sister, not anybody's approval. Do you, boo. That's all you got to do in this world because I've spent my entire life waiting for other people's approval to live my life while they're living theirs and not giving a damn about what I think, what I have to say, even if the advice was good. So I'm sorry, I'm sipping my coffee. So I have to let go of that. And literally when I say at 29, I just turned 29 on June 6th. So this is fresh. This is new. But now that I know what it is, I can call it how I see it. And I can call it out and I can fight against it, which I am doing every single day. Um, and it's all in my head majority of the time. Yeah, I have had to speak out to certain people like, hey, because they're so used to that. They're so used to me wanting their approval, going to them for approval. Like, is it okay? Do you like this idea? And so now when they're giving me their advice and everything, I'm like, oh, I don't like that. Well, that's fine. You don't have to like it. That's cool. <laughs> and I move on. And sometimes you just don't have to say anything. Sometimes you just change up what you do and not asking their opinion and just saying, oh, no, I'm going to do this. And it's not like, oh, do you think I should do this? Switch that up real quick because you don't need anybody's help or approval. So back to my story. Yeah, my dad left very young age. Um, and so that took a toll on me, you know. But it wasn't until I was like 28 that I realized there's issues with my mom that I have to resolve and I have to uh, fix. And it was because I had that approval expectation on her. And I had to release my mom from that because that was so unfair for me to my whole life trying to gain her approval and never feel like feeling like I was getting it. And so that put a strain on us. But, you know, now I've released it. My mom is going through right now. She is um, stage four lung cancer that has metastasized into her brain. And so that's been a journey and a struggle that we've been on for the last uh, year and a half. It'll be two years in December. 
And um, I needed to deal with that because I would have hated if my mother were to pass away and I still felt that way, you know? Um, and who knows what those feelings of not getting her approval would have turned into. And that's just another issue that I don't need. You know, I got a lot of stuff going on and I don't need that. And my mom didn't deserve that. So been going through this journey with her. I've also in the last year uh, started getting into a place where I had to prepare myself for parenthood. I've taken in my niece and pretty soon, I hope by the end of the summer, I'll be able to adopt her, which we're both really excited about. That is my heart. That is my soul. And it's so crazy because when we found out that my mom was sick and everything, and it was so bad and chemotherapy didn't work for the lung cancer, I really felt like, okay, God, I'm ready. I don't want to be here anymore. If I have to live in a world that my mother doesn't exist, I want to die. And I was not taking it easy. I would have mental breakdowns at work, at home, in the car. I was very angry at God because when we found out it was just lung cancer, you know, we were very prayerful. It's going to be okay. We're going to do the chemotherapy. It's going to be fine. And it wasn't. You know, we had to take her to the emergency room. We thought she was having a stroke at one point. And that it was on a Thursday, and that Friday is when we we're going to find out if she had brain cancer, if it traveled to her brain. And then so we took her to an emergency room because she was, like, walking to the, to the side. She couldn't pick up her fork. She couldn't open doors. Like, something was just really, really wrong. Lo and behold, they were like, you know, a stroke would have been the best at this point, but your mother does have brain cancer at the emergency room. So I was pissed. I was pissed the fuck off. Because I kept praying and saying, God, please don't let my mommy have brain cancer. Please, Lord, please, please, please. And she had it. And I was just like, what? Like, you answer prayers. You work miracles. And I know you do because I've seen you do it so many times. Like, and I was like, I just asked this one thing, although I've asked a million. <laughs> but I just asked this one thing for you to not let her have brain cancer. And you didn't answer it. And how dare me? after all the things we've done, be pissed. But in my human emotions and state, this is where I was, you know? And so, boom, she got to get chemo. She got to get radiation for her brain and then chemo for her lungs. So a few months in, chemotherapy is not doing anything for her lungs. It's not working. So I just felt like, damn, like, <laughs> come on, God. Like, <laughs> you playing with my emotions and I don't find that shit too funny. And... <laughs> I really don't know what you're doing, but we discussed this and you're not keeping up with the plan. And I'm telling him the plan, mind you. I thought I was telling him the plan. So I'm devastated. I'm just like, you know what? I need to leave this earth because my mom's about to die and I need to die too. So yeah, I contemplated suicide, but I know my family would have been extremely hurt. So I'm like, how can I kill myself and make it look like an accident? Maybe I just get in a really bad car accident, but I didn't want to hurt anybody else. Maybe I could just walk into a bus or a car, but still, I don't want to hurt anybody else. I just want to go. So I said, maybe I should just take some pills because, you know, at this point, at least I'll be able to go out numb, not feeling this pain. But, you know, life is all about the way you look at things. And I was so focused on my mother dying and wanting to die 
that I did not enjoy the life she was living now and the time that I spent with her. It was always tears and pain and, you know, not smiling, not being happy, just always over her kid. Mommy, do you know this? Do you need this? Do you need this? Mommy, don't do that. Mommy, don't do that. And fear. I was living in fear. And so huh, as we're going through this, I get a call in February and it is my niece's other aunt on her father's side calling me saying, hey, you know, there's some things going on. We're not going to be able to adopt Nigeria. Do you think you can take her? And I instantly say, of course, I'll take my baby. Um, and it's like the moment. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Whew, the moment I said yes, God spoke to me and told me that I could not leave this earth, that I had to be here because now I knew my life was far greater than Rebecca Hannah. And he gives you what you need when you don't even know you need it. My baby saved my life because I was going down and I was spiraling out of control. And, um, and just to think, I don't even know where I would be today if I hadn't taken my baby in and I hadn't struggled to learn how to be uh, her friend, her parent, and to a point where I can say, okay, I'm a mother now. Um, oh, thank you, Lord. I didn't know how beautiful that journey would be, how difficult it would be, but how much she would help me and change my entire existence for the better. And it's so funny. I swear God is like hilarious. He is the best comedian you will ever find. My entire life, y'all, I mean, I mean the entire life. I have prayed and asked God to not let me have any girls <laughs> and to never be a single mother. Just because I've seen the struggles of my mom with four kids by herself. And lo and behold, <laughs> I know God was up there weak. Like, <laughs> yo, look, y'all. <laughs> she didn't want no daughter. She didn't want to be a single mom. Look what she about to get. Boom. And it was everything I could ever ask for. I have the most perfect child. My niece is so amazing. She, oh, she's so compassionate. She's so kind. She's so sweet. She's so curious. Uh, so freaking intelligent, honor roll, straight A student. Um, and she just thirsts for knowledge and she wants more. I swear that little girl is going to change the world one day. And I just feel so blessed that God, no matter what happened before me, saw fit that I would be the person to raise her. And sometimes I look and, you know, with my feelings of self-worth and things, sometimes when they're not the best, I'm like, God, am I worthy enough for this? She's so amazing. I don't want to mess her up. But God knows what he's doing. And we help each other and compliment each other so well that I know it had to be nothing but God. Because I was not ready for a child. I was 28, no children. No sight, no plan to have any in sight. And I was content being single. But what I realized when you get a child is that I needed to grow up. I was saying I was so grown. I was so grown. But emotionally and mentally, there was still so many things that I hadn't healed from. And when I first got my baby, I saw those issues going, getting poured out on her. And... 
she told me one day and said, you know, I just don't feel important. She said, I feel like I don't matter. And it wasn't because of the things that she had experienced in the past. It was because of what I was doing. But I was only parenting how I knew how to parent with the level of parenting that I had. And my mama could only give me what she knew and what she had. But that's when I knew, okay, I need to be serious about my mental health and my mental illnesses. I need to see somebody and I need to get maybe, maybe look into medication because I had been adverse to medication for like the last two years. I was like, mm, nah, I don't take medication. I'm not taking medication. But when you have a life and you're not treating that life, that precious blessing as if it's a blessing. And I can to hear your baby say, I don't feel like I matter here. I knew like, oh no, I know how that feels and I will not have her healing from the past and still got to heal from what I'm doing. So needless to say, I have been in counseling. I'm medicated for my issues and it's been such a blessing for me to not be in that crazy state and that manic state of, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, this is the one on and just stressful. So just to share a little bit about that, um, I have depression, I have PTSD, and I have bipolar disorder. So I could be all over the place any amount of time for numerous different reasons. And to not have that looked at and be intentional and being serious about that, that would have been a disservice to her. And so, like I said, once I said, yes, I knew my life was far greater than me. I had to get outside of self to really do the important work. Um, and it's so funny because I just feel like knowing she was coming really forced me, like I said, to grow up. There's so many different things that I had to let go of and choices I had to make that I didn't really want to. And I would have been content living in that familiar uh, place, in that comfort place of knowing better, but not doing better. And I probably would have been in that same cycle, like, oh, I'm going to do better. I'm going to love myself. But where are the actions? When you go on this self-love journey, there has to be so much action behind it. Um, and the, those actions are hard sometimes. But I definitely believe in our minds, we make it a lot harder than it has to be. So, you know, one of the things that I know I needed to work on was my relationship with sex. Um, sex for me is an extension of my love. So, if I have feelings for a person, I'm going to be, I'm a very sexual person, you know, and I just want to love on them in that way. Affection, feeling, and connection is so spiritual to me, and it's so um, primal in a way. It's our human instinct to be that way. So if I'm in a relationship or I care for someone in that way, I don't hold back, and very liberal in that way. I'll just say that. I'll leave it there. Um, but anyway... But I realized that I was putting all my energy, love, and emotion into the whole entire act of it. And it would just leave me feeling like, oh my God, like I love this person so much. I just want to give them my all. But that's not how people view sex in this day and age. I don't, hopefully somebody in the world has viewed it that way because it's so beautiful. But if ever, you know, and I just feel like, I was getting hurt because I would give someone all of that 
and expecting more love in return. And I, that's just not how it was set up for me. And so sex would cause me to feel unworthy when they didn't reciprocate the feelings I had. It would just keep solidifying in my head and those issues from being a child that I wasn't good enough. And I just knew that I had to change it, you know? And so the end of this month, it'll be a year since I've had sex. And Lord knows it's been a struggle, but it ain't been that much of a struggle because I know that what I'm waiting for and I'm worth it. And it's like, it's not as if I haven't had all types of sex before. It's like, I've had amazing mind blowing toes, curling, uh, crying type sex. And then I've had, mm, it was cool, scratched an itch and that's what I needed. And then it, I've had the, oh my God, like, no, no, you will not get up off me <laughs> because this is not going down type sex. Like this is whack and mm -mm, bye. So it's like, why not wait to have that? I can't live without you. You are my world. You're my everything passion. We both crying. Like I feel it all over my body. My hair is turned on. Like every part of me is on fire for you passion and intimacy. I deserve it. And it wasn't about not having sex, but it was about telling myself I'm worth that type of sex and I'm going to wait until I get there. And I have not met anybody in the last year that's wanted to have sex with me that was worthy of that. Um, and so I waited because it's out there for me. I know I'm worth it and I'm going to wait. I mean, don't get me wrong now, y'all. There's some times where I'm like, um, as of late, what we waiting on? <laughs> it's been a year now. Uh, what's good? Like, I'm at a point where I, but, but what's the, but why? Why do that? Because again, no matter how I'm feeling now, and no matter the feelings of like, oh yes, I'm going to make this commitment. Those feelings may be gone now. It's a year but I'm still worth it. And commitment is staying true to that decision and that commitment long after those good feelings have passed. You gotta stay the course. So here I am, clank, clank, <laughs> I ain't getting none. And it's cool because like I said, I'm worth that decision and I'm gonna keep pushing because whew, I know it's gonna be mind blowing when I get it. So that's something I had to you know, let go of my desire and lightweight and addiction. Like me and sex had a very healthy relationship. So lightweight addiction, that's what I'm gonna call that. And um, I had to drink my coffee. So yeah, action, man. And I have been hollering that I was gonna stop smoking cigarettes for years. I've been smoking them since I was like 15, 16. Um, and I was just like, oh, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Oh, y'all, the way God came for me up in church, mind you, up in church. <laughs> it be your own father, y'all. Oh, so I'm in church. Got the pack in my purse. Got a pack in the car. I'm, I was ready to smoke. And I'm up in church praising. Praise and worship, y'all. The word ain't even been brought forth. And God said, take your cigarettes to the altar. And I'm what? <laughs> but keep praising. I ain't hear that. <laughs> he said, take your pack of cigarettes to the altar. 
Did I listen? Smooth ignored him. Like, nope, I don't know what you're talking about. But the entire message that day was just so encouraging and uplifting about like being worthy and listening and obedience and you're worth his blessings and everything he has for you. You got to let go of what you holding on to to get it. And I was like, damn, why you got to be coming for my neck like this? So I didn't take it up during the service, but when we got to the end of the service, it was like, you know, your mama, you to look like, if you don't get your black ass over here and put it, I felt like I was on my head, just like if you don't take them damn cigarettes up to that altar, little girl. So I was like, okay. So I grabbed him out of my purse. I walk up to the altar and you could tell <laughs> the people on the altar call, they looking at my hands like, she got a pack of cigarettes right now? And so the lady motioned for me to come to her and she was like, um, I just told her, like, God told me to bring these up to the altar. Like, I've been struggling with this addiction, and it is time for me to get rid of it. And I was, like, weak, y'all. When I say weak, I was just, like, sobbing uncontrollably. And it wasn't just a cigarette addiction. You know, in my loneliness, and when I feel lonely, I always grab a cigarette. And kind of feel like you always going to have, like, a group or a tribe because smokers, we kind of congregate together all the time, you know? So I was just like shaking and I was crying. And then I just heard it like, God just told me to bring these up here. And I don't know, I'm just being obedient. So she's praying over me and I'm crying, I'm screaming, I'm lifting my hands up and I just gave it to him. And so I was up there, I don't even know how long I like felt forever. But when I walked away and she was like, well, I was walking. She was like, well, what do you want me to do with these cigarettes? I said, oh, I don't know. I said, you can keep them. No, I don't need them. I don't know what God had for you to do with them, but I ain't touching them no more. And so the pastor, he just kept looking at me and he grabbed that cigarette from her after he was like, I don't know. He was like, but this was huge. He was like, I just need you to know that this was big. He was like, this wasn't easy for you. He was like, and I don't know what God has for you, but he wanted me to let you know that this was huge. And like, you should be proud of yourself. You're doing wonderful. Now, mind you, nobody know I got that pack in the car. <laughs> so I'm over here like, damn, I got that pack in the car. I'm gonna get rid of this pack in the car. I don't know what I'm gonna do because I don't know if I can do it. But after church, you know, I just felt encouraged. And I knew that this was a path that I had to be on. So I walked to the car. I got that pack of cigarettes. I did not leave the building. I went right over to a dumpster, threw them away. And I got in the car and I just smiled. My baby looked at me and she was just like, so proud of you and of me, excuse me. And when your baby or your children are proud of you, that does something to you. You know what I mean? And all those parents out there, y'all will understand, but it puts a little pep in your step. You like, yes, like I'm doing it for you. And for you to acknowledge that, like, I love you. I know I'm doing it for myself, but I want to be an example, you know, and a role model to her of being able to like make, make hard decisions and sacrifices and keep walking in that. And that was on December 31st of uh, 2017. And I am happy to say that my entire 2018 has been tobacco free. And I'm just so blessed that that's the journey that I can be on, you know? And 
that I'm sticking with it. Cause I never thought that y'all give me to get rid of sex and cigarettes in one year. Like, shit. <laughs> y'all better ask somebody. Cause I was heavy in both. I literally smoked a pack a day, like an entire pack a day. And then when I look back on it, like how, how did you afford that? That was like 300. When I included everything that I, you know, I used to smoke and stuff, that was like 300, $400 a month. But you talking about you ain't got money for this. You ain't got money for that. You have it. You just deciding to spend it on something else. Like, man, you know how many trips around the world I could have taken, especially with living socials and Groupon. And I'm over here stinking, just stinking. Oh, when I pass somebody with a cigarette, I just be like, woo, that's strong. And even when they don't have cigarettes, and I'm just like, I used to smell like that. Like, that's so unattractive. Like, no wonder my friends who didn't smoke would just do that stank face. Like, oh, you lighting a cigarette? I got, oh, I'm going to punch you. Like, that shit stank. And I didn't understand it because I'm like, whatever. I'm going to puff on this cigarette and I'm going to be cool. But nah, that was just horrible. And so... I did it though, y'all, and I'm still doing it. And does it get hard? Yeah, it does. But that's why they say when you're letting go of things and you're moving forward into a new life, you have to let go of people too that are bringing the same energy that you're trying to let go of. You got to get you a new tribe of like-minded people. You really, really do. And it's hard sometimes to let go of those energies and those peoples that you've loved for so long and you've dealt with for so long on the same capacity. But if they are no uh, able, no longer able to encourage you and push you in the way that you need to go, or if they ain't even never been there, how are they going to help you when you have questions or when you get discouraged? And luckily, luckily, I love it. Um, you know, I'm originally from California. So my best friends out there, you know, we're evolving. And we're evolving in different ways, but we're all evolving. And it's so beautiful that... Those are my lifers, you know what I'm saying? No matter what changes in my world, my sisters out there are always going to be there. They're my roots. They keep me grounded. That will check each other, you know what I'm saying? We'll love each other. We'll encourage each other. And I love that. Um, you know, I had to move out here to Arizona in ninth grade, the end of ninth grade. So we've been in communication all that time because, like, we've known each other since fourth and sixth grade. And so they'll always be my tribe. That's always where my soul and my heart will always be and will always be able to take a deep breath. Um, but out here in Arizona, I had to let go of some people. You know, some people were no longer beneficial to me. And it sucked because some people, you know, I've been rolling with tough for 10, 11 years. And... It was like, okay, well, I love you, but I can't be around you anymore because that brings me down. You know what I mean? And it makes me feel like I'm slipping right back into the things I'm trying to get away from. And I'd be damned if I went through all these sacrifices and being obedient to God to backtrack. Like, I got something to do. I have something to accomplish. And my life is far greater than the life that I was choosing to live. And it's like, we live in a time where it's so hectic and crazy, but it's a great time to be alive because if you're not where you want to be, all you have to do is change it. You just have to get up and do the work and change it. So I will not be one of those people claiming I'm a victim my entire life. I'm making those changes. Getting on this 
this Anchor app today and recording this segment was hard. I've been overthinking it. I have been trying to write a novel. And my sister's like, ain't a podcast supposed to be like just natural? It ain't supposed to be scripted, right? And I was like, look, leave me alone. Like, I know. <laughs> I don't know why I've been writing for two weeks. And she was just like, you're overthinking that. And she was right. Today, I woke up and I said, you know what? It's a great day to be alive. And I got that from my friend I used to work with. And uh, on Instagram, he is motivational path to greatness. And every time he starts his videos, he goes, wake up, wake up, wake up. It's another great day to be alive. And that stuck with me, you know? And today I woke up, I said, it's a great day to be alive. Thank you, Lord. And I just felt so encouraged. And I, he was telling me, go record that podcast today. Today is the day that you will record your first segment and you will upload it. And you're going to know that it's good. It's worthy. I kind of almost feel like I don't even need to listen to it back because that's going to spike some more anxiety. And I'm going to feel like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. But I know that what I gave you guys today came from the heart and it was real. And I'm going to leave it at that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to challenge myself to not play it back because I already know how I am. But I just want to remind you guys, well, no matter what you're going through, where you're at in your life, you're going to be more than okay. You just got to keep pushing, you know, keep working, set you some goals, and then set how you're going to work those goals. And even if it's just so much as, excuse me, finding the piece of paper or doing a little research that you need for that project, you've done something. We got to learn to congratulate ourselves for the little things as well as the big things, because that's still a step in the right direction. Still a step in the right direction. And those little steps, you're going to look back and you're going to be in travel five miles taking those little steps. So just keep pushing. Remember, you are worth it. You are worth it. You are worth it. If you don't hear nothing else, just know you are worth it. I love you. And if you don't love yourself, you will love yourself. Just keep trusting the process. Keep pushing. Remember to stay real and to love you. All right, queens. Until the next time, I love y'all. Catch me on IG. I don't know if you're supposed to do this on the podcast, but whatevs. Catch me on IG, Regal underscore Rebecca. I'm there. Never really on Snapchat, but you can find me on Facebook as well as at Rebecca Hannah. And yeah, I really hope you guys enjoy this. Um, I don't know how often I'm going to do these segments. I'm going to try to do one every single week to start out. That's my goal. So hold me accountable to that, you guys. Every single week, um, I got to get one of these up. All right. I love you guys. Stay true. Do you love you? And I'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Blessings upon blessings.